the mystery history podcast i am allison and i'm rachel how you doing I'm doing good are you ready for episode 106 on haunted restaurants yeah i love to eat i love to eat and i love things that are haunted me too so this episode is gonna be delicious it is it's gonna be a good one it is before we get into all that great Onto stuff the business there's always business to attend to. There is. There is indeed. It's pretty much the same <laughs> business. Yeah. I, you know, I would like to start and say that um, I have been almost weekly Google searching for the Sarved Rock DNA results. Mm. I don't know if you remember, but we had an earlier episode on the Sarved Rock murders and they let this old man out of jail that had been in jail for forever for these crimes and I cried about it and Mm -hmm. they said these DNA results would be out in first they said in April then they pushed it back to early May and here we are at the end of May and I ain't seen shit online and I am looking literally like every week to see if it's out yet we need to where are these DNA results I need to know if I cried for a murderer (laughs) No, I could be mad. <laughs> right. And we need to know before he's dead because he's old. What are we going to do? Write him a letter if it, he did it? Maybe because I didn't I'm get to write the last that. guy a letter because he was dead. <laughs> he was already dead. Yeah, I'm not doing that. But I I just don't tell me that it's going to be here mm. and then be like, never mind. And then it'll be out soon. And then like nothing. I've seen nothing. What episode was that? We can tell the people. Yeah. I don't know. Well, that way they can listen and then they can be waiting with us and be pissed. Like, sorry, guys. Well, maybe (laughs) by the next episode, they'll be out because like how, how much longer, like how late can you be with these DNA results that lots of people are waiting for? That's true. I just want to know. And it's so late. And I feel like I spend way too much time googling this same thing and of course like if you google it the same articles from march pop up first and i'm like and then i just know immediately no new news makes me so mad i could see that but anyways that's my business (laughs) (laughs) and now it needs to be everybody's business just to to tie it all back if you're interested in hearing about this case (laughs) it's episode 94 so it's a little ways, not like super far back, um, but it was, no. it's, it's a good one. Highly it's recommend. Interesting story. And like, I don't know, just feels relevant. And I mean, it is because we're waiting for these freaking DNA results. Right. That's <laughs> true. This, I need to know. I she hate can't waiting. wait any longer. <laughs> I feel like I was very patient. I hate waiting. Right. <laughs> well, while you're waiting, you could like share, subscribe. You could. I I mean, I already have. (laughs) I'm talking about them. While they're waiting for these DNA results, you could do that. Uh, You could give us some suggestions on episodes that you'd like to hear in the meantime. We love those. Love suggestions. You could join our Patreon at a $2 or $5 tier. And that should keep you busy for a while. 
Yeah. I mean, there's like while 86 you're episodes. Yeah. While you're waiting for these DNA results, join our Patreon and listen to 86 episodes. Yeah. And then you'll be stuck on another case that you can't get answers to. Right. It's a never ending story. I do love a lot of our Patreon episodes. Some of them are better than our normal. I just feel like we, uh, you know, we're more loosey goosey. If you can imagine. I feel like we're more (laughs) relaxed. Yeah. But yeah, if you can imagine, (laughs) you you might not want to. (laughs) So the episode really might, if you like banter, because we do a lot more of that in the Patreon episodes, we get off on all kinds of weird tangents. That's for sure. If you like that, there are there, they're, they're there. Lots of them are there. Yep. And you get um, percentages off to our shop. And a sticker. A sticker and a love letter still. Yep. Still doing the love letters. All day. Uh, And then we still have a few of the 100th episode stickers available. Hmm. If you want to get on that too, I'll send you one of those for free as well. Because we're givers. Yeah. Just love to give. Especially stickers. I am a fan of stickers. I know. What do you do with all these stickers? Why are you judging my sticker? I'm not judging. I'm just asking. Cause actually I just got a ton of stickers from a concert I went to and I'm going to make stickers for the next one that I go to for this band. It's called the Avid brothers and I'm in love with them. But, um, yeah, there's like people that go to these concerts, they just make stickers and pass them out. And I want to get on that, but I got all these stickers at the concert I went to in Louisville and I don't know what to do with them. You need to find like I put um so should we shout out murder apparel? Oh yeah, for sure. So um we ordered a sh- I ordered a t-shirt, Rachel ordered a what is that? A Razorback tank. Is that what uh, they're called yeah. nowadays? I don't know. It's a tank um, top. And I got a sticker mm-hmm. that is hilarious that I put mm-hmm. on my cricket is where I put it. Oh, okay. Um but yeah, so murder apparel Go check their stuff out because I've got like Rachel got skeleton hands grabbing her boobies. Yep. And I got love and like weird mummy zombie monster hands. Yeah. Monster hands. Very cool. Very yeah, cool. Love them. Very well made. Very well made. So go give them a little look see and let, you know, if you buy anything, let them know that uh, it came from us. Yeah. I really like this shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, the, the last thing we've got to oh, talk yeah. about is the biggest thing that we will not shut up about until August. So just be prepared. Um, we are going to the sanatorium. Waverly Hills. <laughs> um, so tickets are available on Eventbrite. They're 91 bucks. You should get one and come with us. And yeah, come hang out with people. us. Dead yeah. people. <laughs> meet meet um us my husband's gonna be there i'll be is by myself co- is your brother coming i don't know i don't Still think unknown. they're confirmed yeah okay unknown yeah jordy might be there he might not who knows hard to say um, <laughs> jordy comes and goes as he, he does feels. <laughs> he does it's like a fart in the wind um but yeah it'll yeah, be it'll be a blast time. it is i'm excited <clears throat> all, all right, right. We gonna talk about these haunted restaurants? Yes, I'm hungry. I have no idea where did this even come from. Like the you're idea the one that thought this. about it. Am I? Yeah. <laughs> I really liked our haunted hotels episode. 
Yeah. Like I like doing that. And I thought it was fun. Cause you could like, I mean, it's like shorter stories back and forth. So I don't, I don't really know. Cause when I actually started to look, Oh, you know what, at the end of this episode, we're going to talk about a couple of haunted restaurants that are local to us. Hmm. Um, so that you may have been to, I've been to two of them. Um, so I think that's why I wanted to do it was one of those restaurants. I was like, I want to learn more about this and we should do an episode on just haunted restaurants. Cause I'm sure they're all over. So, yeah. Well, and I think too, the reason why is we wanted something different because we've been doing a lot of murders <laughs> lately. Yeah. Oh, that is the thing. We wanted to do something paranormal. Yeah. And this was something I was more in, like, yeah, into. It's hard to do full episodes on one like paranormal thing yeah. sometimes. So this makes it a little bit easier to where we can hit get a full episode. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. So um, the restaurants we're going to be talking about are from all over the place. Uh, the first one is the Brentwood Wine Bistro in Little River, South Carolina. So when I just searched for like most haunted restaurant, this was the one that came up first. Oh, really? So this is yeah. like number one. This is, I think so. Okay. And then there's a documentary on it, but I tried to watch it and I could not because it was, um, the sound quality was really hard for me. They um, were like interviewing two of the people and like one person sounded good. And then like the other person didn't, and they kept going back and forth between them. And I was like, I can't handle it. Yeah. <laughs> I can't do it any longer. I'm sensory <laughs> overloaded, but, um, just reading the stories and stuff that it's very interesting. So this is considered to be the most haunted restaurant in South Carolina and potentially anywhere. Um, the Brentwood has been a part of the Little River community since 1994, although the house itself was built in the early 1910s. Wow. So it belonged to Clarence and Essie McCorsley. The missus was left with the house and four children when her husband unexpectedly died at an early age. Instead of selling her home, Essie used it as a tourist house, allowing traveling fishermen to have supper and stay the night. Um, keeping strict order was important for a single woman running a business during this, you know, age these days, especially after her sons all went to serve in World War II and her daughters left to start families of their own. So she's basically running this place all by herself later. Um, the house remained under Essie's watch until her passing in 1974. And with no family left in the area, the building was sold. Wow. That, that would sucks. be so hard. Yeah. yeah. That would be really hard to have something that you kept your hands on. I'm sure it wasn't easy after her husband died to keep that building. Oh yeah. Um, I'm sure so not. to have it for that long, your whole life and then have no one to pass it on to. That's so sad. That is, but so it was sold. The first ghostly thing you should know about the Brentwood is it's been moved from its original location from the corner of McCorsley Avenue to its current location on Luck Avenue. That couldn't have made the lingering spirits there very happy because they don't like whenever you move stuff around. Right. Especially so, the whole house. Right. <laughs> right. Like, this is not where we died. What is happening? Right. Um, the, the next thing that may have activated the spirits is that after Essie died, the house was sold three times during the 70s. Each time the new owner made it into a restaurant and changed the name and probably redecorated too, which they don't like. Mm -hmm. If you're familiar with things that upset ghosts, you probably know that that did the trick. 
Right. So in thinking about that too, she passed away in 74 and then, you know, they sold it. So three times, three times between 74 at the earliest, I mean, it may uh, take some time to sell it. And then, so three different restaurants, like the restaurant business must've been hard in the late seventies yeah. over there. Like that's rough. That is. And it's a beautiful building. It is that porch, man. I would kill mm. for a house like with that kind of porch. What's I just want to sit. Why is it now that we're 35? Like all of a sudden we just want some super important. I just want me a wraparound porch. Right. I just on. need a veranda. I mean, I was like that though, when we were house shopping, there was this house that was kind of out in the middle of nowhere. It was in uh, Troy. So like up North from us and it was kind of in the middle of nowhere. It was not connected to the city's like uh, water mm-hmm. and you were going to have to pay to have that happen. And like, there were certain things like certain stuff was like falling apart, but man, it had this wraparound porch and land. And I was like, mm-hmm. we uh, can't afford this right now because right. all this stuff that needs done, but I'm about to move into this and let it just dilapidate around me so I can have this porch. <laughs> like it was, it was a tough call, <laughs> but porches are important. They really are. They just get more and more important with age. <laughs> So nowadays, Brentwood Restaurant and Wine Bistro occupies the old home. They opened in 2007, and it may be the longest the building has belonged to one family since the original owner. Um, It's now a popular eatery with top-class food and is also known for its fantastic wine selection. Um, I was reading, because, you know, when you, like, search for this kind of stuff, yeah, there's ghost stories, but I was also just seeing a ton of, like, really good reviews (laughs) for this restaurant. It looks like people really enjoy it. So awesome. Hit that up yet to this day, people claim as he remains an unobtrusive, but ever watchful presence Mm -hmm. near the upstairs bathroom. A shadow has been seen to breeze past though. No one is nearby. Um, if you remain too long in the facilities, you may just hear a sigh outside the door. So if you're like going poop, (laughs) you might hear somebody like, like what's there? get out of here. <laughs> right. Be like, it stinks. You're stinking of the house. <laughs> yeah. You gotta go. <laughs> um, on multiple occasions, glasses and ashtrays suddenly plummet and shatter on the floor without having been pushed. Many reports and eyewitnesses claim to see figures through the windows when the area should be unoccupied. That would be scary. I don't want to see figures through windows. I don't either. I would think it'd be a burglar. I don't know why that's like kind of scarier, like them being through the window than being like right in front of you. I don't know. That kind of like heebie-jeebies me out worse. Because somebody's watching. Yeah, maybe. Maybe that's the uneasiness of being watched. Don't watch me. Don't like it. Um, Glowing orbs have been caught numerous times on surveillance cameras floating from room to room. They also um, hear someone sighing in the hallway. So could be me everywhere. I'm a sire. I get it. You are a sire. Could you could just be you? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Equipment will start by itself. And back before they banned smoking in the restaurants, um, ashtrays would inch to the edge of the table and then fall off. That would be wild to see. Yeah, it would. 
Um, so if you want to add a ghost tour to your dinner plans at the Brentwood, then you can, the tour offers access to parts of the house that you may not get to see on other nights. So you would have to add that on to be able to actually tour the home. However, the hauntings at Brentwood happen randomly and not just on tour nights. So your chances of seeing a ghost any old day at this eatery are equally as good as during a tour. Pretty cool. We should put that on a list to visit. Yeah, we'll have to look where this place is because I don't know. I think it actually might be close to Myrtle. Oh, yeah. Which well, I don't enjoy, but, you know. <laughs> I They have good food. There's places around there that I would be okay with going. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like, too, if you're a spirit and you're haunting this home that you loved for so long, you would be happy that the next owners would then make it a successful business, right? I mean, I feel I like... Think so. So I don't know, maybe those other th- several times it was sold, they didn't know what they were doing. Yeah, maybe not. So, all right. The next one looks like my kind of place right. it is <laughs> Captain Tony's Saloon in Key West, Florida. Captain Tony's Saloon has been given the name of the most notorious bar in Key West and for many good reasons. The bar was once called Sloppy Joe's, and it was a favorite watering hole of Ernest Hemingway, Truman Capote, John F. Kennedy, and Jimmy Buffett. It was built in the 1930s and purchased by Captain Tony Tarachino, hence the new name, Captain Tony's. Is it Truman Capote or Capote? I don't know. That's why I was kind of paused, because I was waiting on you to correct me. Well, here I am. Coming Here in at are. the end of the sentence. Pretty sure it's Truman Capote. <laughs> well, I like Capote. Do you know who Truman Capote is? He's the writer guy who died. Yeah, okay. And then yeah, I'm questioning if I'm like adding something to that and just thinking his name is Capote because you seemed kind of confident. Well, I always do. <laughs> All right. So I, I could be wrong. I don't know. I don't I know how to Capote. say Captain Tony Terracino either. Yeah, but and I've good. never, I've never heard of him. So it's not ringing any <laughs> bells to me that that's wrong. <laughs> I just don't like Capote. That just sounds not finished. Plonky. Yeah. <laughs> so sorry if it's wrong, folks, but that's how I say his name. He's not going to mind. I promise you. He's really not. <laughs> so the building always seemed to have a macabre history from the very beginning. There are trees on the property that were used for public hangings. One of those trees is still in the building. So this is wild in this picture. (laughs) And okay. So they kind of weren't the most like respectful (laughs) to this tree. (laughs) It's got bras hanging all over. (laughs) Is that on the tree? There's literally like a hundred or more bras hanging from the ceiling at this bar restaurant place. I mean, looks it's very close to the tree where a branch would be i don't know if that's officially on the tree hard to say but disrespectful nonetheless also who is leaving their bras bras are expensive they are expensive that is a lot of money's worth of bras hanging up there sixty dollars a pop at the the least again it's ridiculous yeah i'm not leaving my bras anywhere me neither mine are hard to come by money (laughs) But yeah, it's a wild picture uh, for sure. So 
there was 75 to 85 people hung for murder, piracy, and other crimes. The building was also used as a morgue, then a bordella, a telegraph office, a speakeasy, and a cigar factory. And now it's Tony's saloon. Weird that it was a morgue and then a, a telegraph office. Like, I mean, how does yeah. it go from that to that? It, that's quite the change. It's weird. Um, in the 1940s, the bar became an undercover gay bar. It was called the Duval Club, and the owner decorated it in a Victorian style. There were lavish parties here, and the gay patrons tried to proposition the sailors that were staying in Key West. The owner, Morgan Bird, was threatened many times to stop having these parties. The Navy gave him many warnings. He continued having the parties, but the Navy placed the club on the off-limits list for its sailors. This caused the business to lose 80% of their business. Yeah. Forcing Bird to close the club. 80% of the business causing them to close when the Navy wasn't allowed to go to the gay club anymore. A lot of semen. (laughs) This was another... This was another tragic chain of events that caused the bar to be sold again. This building is uh, seen a lot, and that could be the reason that it is notorious and haunted. Plus, they have a freaking hanger tree in their dining room. All right. That that might be why they're haunted. (laughs) Yeah. In the 1980s, there was some important renovations that needed to be done to the bar, Part of these renovations meant taking up the floorboards and installing new floors. This would prove to be one of the most horrifying experiences for the team. When they pulled up the floor, they found the remains of 20 human beings. 20 human beings? That's a lot of human beings to find under the floor. Yeah, that's like 20 more beings. Than you should find. Than you should find. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. Wow. There was a gravestone there as well. It was for a woman named Elvira Drew. Drew Love that name. I do. Me too. Me too. Um, Drew was married early in life around the age of 14 or 15. She married, yeah, a much older man, ew, who was in his 50s or 60s. Ew, ew. He was an alcoholic and very abusive. She died in 1822 when she was 19 years old. How'd she die? She hung herself on the hanging tree. No, no, she or, didn't I'm hang sorry. herself. <laughs> she was hanged. Yes. Excuse me. I would have hung myself on the hanging tree <laughs> if I had to marry a 60-year-old. But anyway, <clears throat> she was hanged on the hanging tree for killing her husband. Okay. I mean, he probably deserved well, it, right? Uh, yeah, he was a drunk, abusive pedophile. So, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Her gravestone had been under the floors for over 200 years. It's crazy. That's nuts. Yeah. They just built right on top of that. Mm. There was another gravestone found in the floor of a woman named Reba Sawyer. She lived from 1900 to 1950. And when she died, apparently her husband found some very scandalous letters between her and her lover. The letters described their feelings for each other and some sexy trice that they had had. They always would meet at Captain Tony's to begin their time together. The husband was so mad that he took his wife's coffin and dug a hole for it under the tree in the bar. He said, this is where she wanted to be. So this is where she will stay. Holy cow. Yeah. Wow. Mm. 
crazy. That is crazy. The number of bodies that were found under the floor is terrifying, but these souls could be the ones that are still saloon. Yeah. I mean, because they were literally at the saloon for 200 years. Yeah, that one person was, yep. Captain Tony's saloon is home to many ghosts, and one that has been frequently uh, seen is the Lady in Blue. The story of the Lady in Blue begins with the hanging tree. There were close to 20 people hanged there for various crimes, and it is said that she is one of them. The story goes that she stabbed her husband and her two children to death. Don't do that. No. The city wasted no time in hanging her. In fact, she was hanged in the same dress that she killed her family in, a blue dress covered in blood. Many locals say that she went crazy and that it's what caused her to kill her entire family. Many think that her husband was cheating on her and that's why she did it. No one really knows what happened, but she is the ghost that is seen most often in the bar. She is seen walking all around the bar and sometimes she will scare customers away. We think it's from all the blood that's on her dress. I mean, I would not be cool with that. Sticking around for that. No, 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 thanks. Another story that is told by the staff is about another young woman. This story follows her into the bar when it was a speakeasy. She was concerned that evening about where her husband was, so she went to find him. She had her baby with her and decided to check for him in the speakeasy. She found him, and when she did, he was drunk and kissing another woman. When she saw this, she instantly went mad. She ran into the women's restroom What the? F- and killed the baby. She left it there and ran out. No one knows what happened to the woman, but this is just another one of the stories of the deaths in the building. I am not buying that. Me neither. That's what I was just going to say. I feel like these old stories make women out to be crazy people. Baby killers. Like, I'm sorry, but if my husband cheats on me, I'm certainly not hurting my children. Right. Like, what do they have to do with it? (laughs) Like, what do they have to do with it? (laughs) Nothing. That doesn't make sense. No, that is crazy. It just, it seems like all those stories and there's no, you know, there's no proof of any of that happening. It's just Hmm. an easy scapegoat for a good story. Right. No. Us dumb women and our emotions. Right. If Uh, I work on something for nine months, I'm certainly not going to just ruin it. Right. (laughs) Right. Visitors from all over the world come to Captain Tony's saloon. Many of them come to bask in the world that Ernest Hemingway enjoyed while others come to see if the ghost stories are true. Many people who come to visit experience most of the paranormal activity by the women's restroom. One woman said that she went into the restroom and tried the first stall, but it was locked. So she went into the stall next to it. When she looked down, she noticed that there was nobody in the first stall. She was confused as to why it was locked if nobody was using it. Before she left that evening, she went back to the restroom hours later and the first stall was still locked. She also said when she was in the stall, she heard the door open and close as if another woman was coming in. <laughs> she never saw anyone else in there. I mean, couldn't it have just been locked? Like maybe it was out like of order. Somebody locked it, yeah. <laughs> Tony, I don't Tony. know about you, Tony. You're making shit up, Tony. I got questions. <laughs> the owner of the bar is named Joe Farber. He has never considered himself to be open to ghost stories or experiences of the sort. He says that after a few experiences in the bar, he may now be a believer in the paranormal. One night he was closing up and it was around 4 a.m. He heard someone calling his name. He got up from what he was doing and saw no one there. 
He walked back, but noticed some doors were open that he had closed and locked hours before. He didn't blame any of this on ghostly activity because it didn't happen to him again until a few years later, the same voice was calling to him. And this time it said, don't leave Joe. He didn't notice anything unusual that night. So around 3 a.m. he decided to go home. Around 6 a.m., he got a call from the police, and they said they found a body in front of the bar. A young girl called her mom from the bar and had overdosed on pills to commit suicide. According to the police, she died there around 3.30. Joe thinks that the spirit was trying to tell him something. Perhaps he could have saved this woman's life. Okay, Ooh. that one, I believe, and I have yeah. goosebumps. <laughs> um, does anyone know for sure the spirit does? That is creepy. That's yeah. that he heard. Don't leave, Joe. That one, yes. Okay, I'm I'm here for that. Yeah, I'm here for that too. That's awful. That I would, is would awful. feel so guilty. Yeah, and 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 that's the the sucky part no is reason. it's not his fault, right? Yeah, for no reason. Like he would still <laughs> feel so much guilt. Ugh. A visitor to the bar said that they wanted to check out the hanging tree closer. After having a few drinks with friends, one of the man's friends dared him to climb up the hanging tree. This just seemed absurd at the time, but as the beers and shots kept flowing, he was thinking more and more about climbing up the tree. The instant that he touched the hanging tree, his hand began to burn. Then he felt it as if they were sizzling. When he took the hand, his hands off the tree, they were incredibly burned. He had to go to the emergency room in order to make the pain stop. It was a huge surprise to the doctors that this man ended up with third degree burns from touching the hanging tree. Wow. That's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. That means maybe it's like a gateway to hell. Is that what that means? That's what I'm saying. Uh, So what is it about this haunted place? What attracts people to come here and engage with the ghosts? The ghosts. Uh, Whatever it is, there are quite (laughs) a few ghosts that still live here. Perhaps when you come to visit, you'll be sitting and having a drink next to the lady in blue. Maybe you'll rub elbows with a famous pirate. You never know who you'll see there. Maybe Ernest Hemingway, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Or Truman Capote. Capote. T. E. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So our next one is Moon River Brewing Company in Savannah, Georgia. And Savannah is a city known for being haunted because it was built on the graves of many dead soldiers and their families. Oh. Like the whole city. Wow. As a result, many of the businesses and buildings are haunted, and one worth pointing out is the Moon River Brewing Company. While it seems normal enough in the main dining room, a trip downstairs is proof that it's a lot spookier than it first seems. It's one of the city's oldest buildings, and the things that have gone on in the basement are pretty horrifying. One notable story is that a local, James Stark, was murdered there. Patrons have reported feeling pushed or slapped by an unexplained force. A ghostly figure named Tony and a white um, apparition. Tony. Yeah. I'm not going to be having somebody slap me. No. You don't have permission. No. Do not. Uh Uh-uh. It's located in one of Savannah's oldest and most haunted buildings. The Moon River Brewery started pouring pints in 1999. Originally, it was built in 1821 by Charleston native Eliza Early. Wow, that's kind of a cool name. Mm -hmm. 
The city hotel was the town's first hotel and post office. The city hotel was an upscale establishment. However, the affluent clientele occasionally resorted to violence, defending their Southern honor. Drawing in customers from the Yankee North, locals were always friendly to city hotel customers. In 1864, after an increased wave of violence, the hotel closed when General Tecumseh Sherman led the Union Army through Georgia. By the time General Sherman reached Savannah, the city was mostly deserted and buildings were spared typical Union destruction. So they were all jacked up. Mm-hmm. The city hotel survived the Civil War and sat largely unused until the 1990s when it was renovated into the Moon River Brewing Company. That is like forever. That is a long time. Yeah. It's you think they'd just be like for forever. Let's tear, tear it down. down. Yeah. <laughs> it would be I more mean, I'm to they really built shit well back then for it to be like unused for that long. And then somebody be like, yeah, let's take this, not just like raise it to the ground and use the land, but like mm-hmm. this building is all right. Right. Yeah. That's ridiculous. So some incidents of violence that occurred here during the spring of 1832, a feud broke out between an undesirable local, this guy we talked about, James Stark and the city physician, Dr. Philip Minnie's. Things escalated that August at the city hotel. Stark was drinking heavily and spewing disparaging remarks against the doctor. Dr. Minnie's walked into the bar, saw Stark, and shot him. He don't take no shit. Nah. <laughs> Later, Dr. Minnie's said he saw Stark reach for his gun first, and when he went to trial for murder, the jury quickly acquitted him. <laughs> well, yeah, because he's the doctor. They gotta. Yeah, they need that they guy. Need him. <laughs> they, they were happy to see Stark gone, and every <laughs> town needs a good doctor. Yep. <laughs> so there you are. Um, another instance of extreme violence took place in November 1860. Mr. James Sinclair almost met his death at the city hotel. A resident of New York City, he headed to Savannah, Georgia, in the hopes of finding work. Locals did not react kindly to the presence of a Yankee in their hotel, and they pressured Sinclair to leave. When he refused, he was drawn out of the hotel by a lynch mob, stripped, and beaten close to death. Wow, rude. Yeah, he was probably like, all right, I'll go now. Man, people are weird. They want to see everybody naked and you know it. (laughs) What's this Yankee look like? (laughs) He's got parts like us. Take off his pants. (laughs) Well, like, isn't that crazy? Like, just like we talked about before in 1832, whenever you could just like shoot people, like, yeah, like you have wilds and stuff, like Mm -hmm. 20 paces. That's nuts. Turn around and shoot somebody. Or you could just get a few people together and be like, let's drag this guy out and rip his clothes off. Yeah, and beat him to death. an eyelash. <laughs> They're like, all right. Typical let's Tuesday. <laughs> right. Uh, um, since opening, the staff and customers of Moon River Brewery have encountered many unexplained and sometimes violent occurrences. Accounts include bottles being thrown by unseen forces and people being touched, pushed, and slapped by invisible spirits. One prominent ghostly figure is Toby. He lurks in the bar's billiard room where he has been known to push patrons and staff. A glowing white apparition has been reported 
on the restaurant's upper floor, and it's believed to be the spirit of a hotel worker who died there in the late 1800s. In the 1990s, during an attempt to renovate the building's third floor, the foreman's wife was violently pushed down the stairs. Um, Locals say he gave his resignation on the spot and that to this day, the upper floors remain in decay. So nobody will work on nobody them. wants to go up there. Yeah. Stop by Moon River Brewery on your next trip to Savannah for some satisfying microbrews and southern food. And you might get visited by a ghost who will yeah, push you down the stairs. <laughs> you can also do a virtual tour of the haunted historic site led by the co-owner, John Pinkerton. So hmm. that is uh, something that you could do. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Um, Our next location is Muriel's in New Orleans, Louisiana, which we saw this place. Remember? Yes, we did. This was on our um, trip. Was this on the night that we went to the water with the rats? I don't know. On the bike. Uh, I think it was that night. Yeah. Yeah, I think we, well, I think we went through it a couple times, passed it a couple times, but yeah. Didn't we get a drink here? No. No, we didn't go inside because it's like a nice fancy restaurant. Oh, yes. <laughs> and we are not dressed for that. We were Any not. Day. Nope. We were just having a nice stroll. The building is beautiful. It's so cool. And it looks like, you know, like all the other New I Orleans do. buildings. It's really cool. Yeah. Because we were looking place, through the, the windows, weren't we? We were because this is the place that they leave a setting out. Yes. For, yes. So anyways, in seven, here's the story. In 1718, New Orleans was founded and a young French Canadian named Claude Trepin. This is going to be rough. I'm not French. Oh, New New Orleans. (laughs) Was awarded this piece of land for his assistance in the expedition. Um, He built a small cottage, which later became a prime piece of property due to the fact of its proximity of the area that soon became known as Jackson Square during the layout of the quarter in 1721. Some locals believe that the structure used to hold slaves when they came off the boats before going up for auction. Although Muriel's carriageway dates back to the late 1700s, and some clairvoyants say that many troubled spirits reside here, this area was said to be where servants were housed in the evening. So they were saying, nah, this is not where they housed slaves before they were auctioned off. But who knows? Because it was in the 1700s. Right. Nobody's got the book. Yeah. Okay, around 1745, Jean-Baptiste Destoran, yeah, a man of great power and wealth considered to be the royal treasurer of French Louisiana colonies, acquired the property. He immediately tore down the humble little cottage and built an elaborate home of grandeur for his family. After his death in 1765, the house was passed down to his son, then sold in an auction when his family ran out of money. Sorry, dad. Ouch. Um, Excuse me. In 1776, Pierre-Philippe de Margigny purchased the grand residence and used it as one of his city homes while he came into town for his plantation from his plantation on the outskirts of town known as the Faubourg Margigny area today. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. On March 21st, 1788, The Great New Orleans fire started on Good Friday and burned 856 of the 1,100 structures in the French Quarter. 
including the city's main church, original Cabildo, the municipal building, the army barracks, armory, and jail. During the tragedy, a portion of Pierre-Philippe de Marnay's mansion was burnt. During the next decade, the city of New Orleans was in a rebuilding process trying to recover from the fire that swept the French Quarter. The Spanish replaced what was left of the wooden buildings with thick brick-walled structures that included courtyards, arcades, and wrought iron balconies. Among the new buildings in Jackson Square were the St. Louis Cathedral, the Cabildo, the Presbytere, and a piece of property Mr. Pierre-Antoine Laparty Jordan purchased from Marriage Ney. Dang, girl. So, I know, right? I was just letting that go. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's that property now. Interesting that I don't think I knew that the, the there was Spanish like influence with all that raw iron and stuff. I thought that was French mm. stuff, but it was Spanish stuff. Huh. Why? Well, and it's really sad how much like terrible things happened in new orleans oh my gosh yeah like it's just and it keeps coming back like they just don't quit (laughs) like Mm -mm. you're gonna burn Mm -mm. our shit down we're coming back you're gonna wash it away in a flood we're coming coming back back. good for them but yeah it is crazy the amount of like major things that have happened there yeah so that pierre jordan he built his dream home, restoring it to the original grandier for his family and himself. You know, it's grandeur, right? What did I say? Grandier twice now. I can't. I wish I was different. I wish I could just let it There's go. There's no J's. That is how you say it. Grandeur. When you grandeur. read books, books to yourself, do you say grandier or grandier read, when you read Do all I the read time? books that have that word in it? They know better. Whatever. It's grandeur. (laughs) Okay. Listen, they're restoring it to its original fancy pants. Okay. Perfect. (laughs) That's how I read books. That's my book. (laughs) Anyway, he's fancy. He restored it so that his family and himself can live in this fancy home. Right. His dream. It's his dream. It's coming true. This is his dream. Although Jordan dearly adored his beautiful home he was a man that could never quench his thirst for the thrill and excitement of gambling Uh in 1814 he wagered his beloved home in a poker game and crushingly lost the one thing he treasured most in his life well damn like you should never bet your house well in like that's the one treasure like what about his family his family (laughs) where are they at they probably left probably definitely after he bet their house in a poker game (laughs) the shock of the loss was so intense that before having to vacate the premises and hand over his beloved treasure he tragically committed suicide on the second floor in the same area where morals seance lounge is situated today wow i feel like i just try to burn it down I don't are you allowed to do that? That's how no, you're not allowed to do that. Are you allowed to commit suicide? Yeah. I mean, technically not by the insurance companies. Yeah, technically not by the insurance companies. But, but you're not allowed do to what they burn. Want. You're not technically allowed to burn your building down by the insurance companies either. So you, you gotta know. make it look good. 
So Pierre Jordan is still with us today in spiritual form on the same piece of property that is now Muriel's. His ghost doesn't appear in human form, but instead as a glimmer of sparkly light wandering around the lounge. The seance lounges on the second floor are named as such because it's believed that that's where Jordan spends the majority of his time. Patrons and employees have also witnessed objects being moved around throughout the restaurant. It's believed that Jordan never left his true love and home in New Orleans. He continues to reside there to this day. Although Jordan is considered to be the main resident, he's not the only spirit. There is also a slightly mischievous ghost in the courtyard bar that roams the property. Three times since March of 2001, glasses have flown from behind the bar 12 feet across to the brick wall and shattered. Perhaps some servants stayed behind to take care of him and go downstairs to throw glasses to release some angst. Uh, Who knows? Could be. That'd be a good work environment. Yeah, that would be fun. That would be. (laughs) Other possibilities include previous patrons and owners of the property during the late 1800s and early 1900s, or that it's Georgian trying to get across the other side, um, desperately trying to communicate with the mortals he considers to be his family now. Who knows? Because they're, he needs to let it go, man. He lost it in a poker game. Yeah, well, he's still there. He is. Present day, many paranormal investigations have occurred over the years with several reports stating that they've seen unexplainable strange shadows while hearing unknown voices nearby. Most of the activity comes from the seance lounge where very distinct knocks on the brick wall may interact as communication. There's audio of a female voice that has been discovered when there's no female present. The Muriel's website says, We firmly believe that our resident ghosts here at Muriel's are harmless and can sometimes be very entertaining. Those who have seen or felt a presence have never felt threatened, and instead we've welcomed an old kindred spirit to dine by always keeping a table reserved for Mr. Jordan set with bread and wine. That's why we were looking into the windows. We wanted to see the bread and wine table, and we did, right? Yeah, I think I have pictures of it. I'm pretty Uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So our next place is Hold on. the have you like I can't be- I can't imagine that there'd be people like this in New Orleans, but like let's say my dad, okay, who does not believe in any of this shit. Right. Working now. here and being like, I gotta set bread and wine out for this guy that's not even alive. This is oh, the yeah. stupidest shit I've ever heard of. <laughs> I can hear like I can hear your dad <laughs> saying that. With his grumpy face about it. <laughs> so just like that makes me laugh. Like a non-believer having to set out bread, bread and wine, wine for this guy. <laughs> what a waste. <laughs> right. There's homeless people literally on the street. Outside, yeah. And you're feeding a ghost. Right. <laughs> oh, God. You're right. You are so right. Maybe they give that bread to the homeless person at the end of the night. They should if they don't. They should if they don't for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, sorry. A carry letter. carry on. A I'm letter. sorry. I had to go off there for a second. <laughs> it's fine. All right. So our next place is the Jean Bonnet, or we could call it the Jean Bonnet. I don't know. 
Jean You're Bonnet the fancy tavern. one. I would call I it the Jean Bonnet Tavern. <laughs> I'm coming. It probably is the Jean Bonnet Tavern, but I'm coming off of French New Orleans over here, and I'm like Jean Bonnet. <laughs> <laughs> it's in Pennsylvania. <laughs> it's Jean Bonnet. <laughs> yes, it is. So the Jean Bonnet Tavern in Bedford, Pennsylvania. Along the historic Lincoln Highway in Bedford, PA, there is an iconic Fieldstone Tavern that has been providing hospitality, spirits, food, and lodging since the 1760s. The Jean Bonnet Tavern, also known as Old Forks Inn and Bonnet's Tavern. Um, so prior to opening as a tavern, the property was used by the French. So maybe it is Champonnet. Maybe. Know, as an outpost and then headquarters during the Revolutionary War. In addition, legend has it that several people were hanged on the property during the 1700s, including a convicted highway robber. In 1794, the inn was used as a gathering place during the Great Whiskey Rebellion, one of the first uprisings for our young nation. Huh. Yeah. The resistance was against the new tax placed on whiskey and was known to use violence against tax collectors and lawmakers. Currently, the Jean Bonnet, I, to, I, I wanted to Add say Jean, the, the Jean Bonnet Tavern is a bed and breakfast, a bar and restaurant known for its extensive history, its registration as a national historic landmark, and of course, for its spirits of both varieties. Oh, 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 <laughs> <laughs> well, if it's French, it's ho ho. Employees and guests alike have reported paranormal and haunting experiences within the tavern. Claims have included the sound of talking, movement, and banging in the bar area as guests were asleep when the bar was closed up tight for the night. So they're like sleeping above the bar and are hearing like Ooh. banging around and stuff. Yeah. Employees, guests, and even the owners have reported the movement of their belongings and doors, seeing and hearing things throughout the night, as well as seeing men dressed in strange attire drinking at tables in the bar. So there's this picture, and you probably got to look pretty close, but like on the right, do you see a oh, person sitting in the chair? I see like a wavy. Yeah, that's like his back. You probably have yeah. to like zoom in to like or see it well. Yeah, or it looks like a leg or something. Yeah. Let me see. I'm zooming. I'm zooming. Creep, 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 creep photo over there. Yeah, I could see. Um, I could see what you're there. saying. Um, an infamous room three available to rent for the night has lovers of haunted places traveling from all over the place to sleep there. Numerous guests have claimed to witness the manifestation of a male spirit in the room. Some speculate that it is the hanged highway robber, as well as witnessing the rocking chair in the room move on its own. And then some claim to see um, and photograph orbs, feel cold spots, wake up feeling as if someone is watching them and being touched while staying in that room. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if I could stay like, I don't know if I'd want to do that. Like stay, I could stay, in... but I don't know if I could go in being like I'm gonna go to sleep here. Right, like, we'd be. I have a hard enough time sleeping with my like sound machine. My blankets are good. <laughs> the temperature's nice. Like, you know, I have a hard yeah. enough time with that. <laughs> Going somewhere, I'm like, I'm probably gonna get touched by a ghost tonight. Probably not gonna fall asleep. <laughs> that's true. That's that's on point with me as well. <laughs> All right, the next one is the Golden Lamb 
in Lebanon, Ohio. I actually lived very, very close to this mm-hmm. for about a year and I never went in there. And I've never been in there either, which it's kind of far away, but I've been by it before. Just yeah. never, never went in. So this is where we're getting local. The next yeah. three are locals. The Food Network named the Golden Lamb Ohio's most haunted restaurant. And the Food Network doesn't know a damn thing about haunted restaurants. Do they? I don't know. I think they named uh, the most haunted restaurants in each state. I think it was like a show that they did. I mean, I know they know food, but do they know hauntings? Well, I'm sure they just Googled it. (laughs) You have to get (laughs) Zach Baggins involved with this. He probably was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it sounds like something he would do. Uh, many, does. many guests and employees of the more than 215 year old property have given reports of paranormal activity during their time at the Golden Lamb. In fact, some say that the spirits of several ghosts still occupy the rooms of the restaurant and hotel. As a result, they've become known for welcoming guests of the living and the dead. One such spirit is Clement Valadingham. 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 He's a celebrated Civil War era U.S. congressman from Ohio who fatally shot himself by accident in the room that now bears his name. Valadingham was a leader of the North anti-war effort whose groups were known collectively as Copperheads. Facing charges of treason for opposing the war effort, Valadingham was escorted to Tennessee. Eventually, he sailed to Canada, where he launched a campaign to become Ohio governor while still in exile before secretly returning to Ohio in 1864. Years later, Valadingham was in Lebanon in a second floor room of the Lebanon house, now the Golden Lamb representing and preparing a defense for Thomas McGeehan, who was accused of fatally shooting another man, Tom Myers, in a saloon brawl. While demonstrating how the victim could have accidentally shot himself while drawing his pistol, Ballingham, who thought his weapon was unloaded, fired a bullet into his abdomen. So can you just picture this? He's like preparing to say like this, this guy might have accidentally shot himself by doing this. And then he accidentally shot himself. I mean, I feel that's really good for the guy. Yeah, I'm sure he got off. (laughs) (laughs) Like the poor dead man said, (laughs) you can accidentally do that. Uh, Valentingham died in the room the following morning. Several reports of a man matching his description have been made over the years. So people see him. Wow. Some guests believe the hotel to be haunted by the spirit of Ohio Supreme Court Justice Charles R. Sherman, who suddenly died at the at the inn at the age of 41. Wow, that's very young. Sherman's death left his wife and 11 kids, including Civil War General William T. Sherman penniless. Most of the children were put up for adoption, and some say the guilt of his family's demise kept his spirit at the inn. That would be that terrible. That is so sad. That is awful not having enough money to take care of your kids you had to put them up for adoption oh yeah that would be terrible um visitors and staff have also reported ghostly encounters with a little girl believed to be the spirit of sarah stubbs or eliza clay so one of these two little girls 
Stubbs lived at the Golden Lamb as a child, but eventually left, married, and had a family of her own. Some say she appears at the Golden Lamb as a young girl to revisit her childhood home. Others believe the young girl is actually Eliza Clay, the daughter of Henry Clay, President John Quincy Adams, Secretary of State and U.S. Senator for Kentucky. The Clay family was traveling to Washington, D.C. when little Eliza fell ill and forced the family to stop at the Golden Lamb. Eliza succumbed to her illness at the Golden Lamb and was buried in a local cemetery far away from her Lexington, Kentucky home, which is sad. That is. I would assume it'd be more the the latter. Yeah, that seems more likely. Yeah, to see. Which is sad, more sad. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The next one is Ye Old Tavern in Yellow Springs. I've never been been there. I've never been here. I love the old tavern in Yellow Springs. <laughs> we'll have to go there. Christine Moore Beard saw the same tall, dark-haired woman in a blue late 1800s dress nearly every morning she cleaned the then upstairs bathroom at Ye Old Trail Tavern located at 228 Xenia Avenue in Yellow Springs. She said... She just walked down the hall, Monroe Beard said, of the yet-to-be-identified spirit. There was a lot of people who didn't go to the bathroom because they didn't want to interact with a ghost. Wow. Mm -hmm. Monroe Beard and her husband, Don Beard, also the co-owners of nearby Peaches Bar and Grill, which I know you've been to because we've been there together, Mm -hmm. purchased the tavern in January 2017. She knows the ghost in the blue dress well. It has been known to move um, objects like her plants a history buff monroe beard says the woman in blue is far from the only ghost known to haunt the tavern that william mills commonly known as the father of yellow springs opened in 1827 and um, named for his father elijah franz martin hafner bought the tavern and much of the land that surrounds it in 1847 Originally from Germany, Hafner built several outdoor ovens and became Antioch College's baker. So Yellow Springs is this like super cute little town near us. And um, it is where Dave Chappelle lives. And Antioch College is a very, I mean, I think it's famous. It's like a very liberal college. But I think they closed it down, right? I think they did too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So the two-story brick home next to the tavern was called the King House and was named after Hafner's granddaughter, Lila King. Yeah. And and Yellow Springs is very much a hippie town. Like people walk around barefoot in their tie-dyed shirts and they all love everybody. And I love that place so much. I wanted to live there so bad, but it is so expensive it really is expensive and (laughs) it's yeah and it just seems like everybody just really loves to be alive like it's just it's very weird because everywhere else you go it's like all gruff and blah I hate life and blah 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 but then whenever you go there it's like oh here's some uh some sage to clear yeah. the evil spirits like <laughs> one of one of my friends lives there and he t- he has told me like everybody in town just goes downtown and listens to like bands play and it's like the whole town is down there on weeknights 
And like, you see, like everybody knows everybody that lives there. It just sounds like so much fun and like the perfect place. (laughs) And it's very like, it's not around like to get there from the highway, you have to go a good 20 minutes. Yeah. So it's kind of just its own little town where you have everything you need. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, it's very cool. So the tavern was briefly a bakery and then later a restaurant. Monroe Beard said Hafner didn't want to sell spirits and therefore didn't want the property turned back into a tavern. He said so in his will. Wow. So he was like hardcore about this. Yeah. But Monroe Beard said that is exactly what happened a month after he died in January 1895. So screw that guy. He's dead. We're turning this into a tavern. (laughs) Let's have a drink. Um, We say that he is one of the entities that occupy the tavern because of this. She said in an email, Monroe Beard suspects that the golden haired young woman who haunts the taverns lower level may be Hafner's teenage niece. The girl mysteriously disappeared from census records, but perhaps not from this realm. Walt Kombusky, a ye old bartender for almost 10 years, is among those who have reported seeing the young blonde woman in a white nightgown. On one such occasion, he mistook her for a customer. He saw her in the mirror in the bar back. He had told her that the tavern was closed, and by the time he turned around to finish speaking to her, she was gone. That would be freaky. Yeah. I would not like that. No. Because then what do you do? Turn back to the mirror to see if she's still in the mirror? Yeah, and then what if she's that's closer what my to you? Stupid butt would do. And then what if she's closer to you and is gonna kill you? I don't know. Then what do you do? Run. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Since taking over the tavern, the oldest in the state. So it is the oldest tavern in the state of Ohio. That's pretty crazy. Uh, Monroe Beard and her husband have found historic newspapers and other artifacts in the wall. They consider themselves the tavern stewards and have added more German foods to the menu. I don't get the impression that they're upset or angry. She said of the ghost, they approve of what we're doing and the energy. That's so cool. Cute. Yep. So this next one I have been to, have you been here? Yeah. Yeah. What do you think of the food? You liked it? I mean, I like their spatzel. I don't even remember what I ate. I've only been once and I took Brian and he wanted a cheeseburger for sure. And was like WTF. Yeah, (laughs) they don't have not cheeseburgers. Yeah. It's a German restaurant. It's called the Amber Rose. It's in Dayton downtown kind of. Um, Yeah. They have really good blueberry um, chicken wings, blueberry barbecue chicken wings. You wouldn't think that'd work, but it does. But it does. I'll have to try it that sometime. Does. That sounds interesting. And I know um, we go here a lot for my work because I work kind of close to this place. Um, and they have, I don't know if we'll talk about it, but they have like ghost tours in yeah. October and things. So Okay, the Amber Rose. The sight of a ghostly girl in the attic window of the Amber Rose restaurant on 1400 Valley Street in Dayton has caused fright for years. Locally based authors Chris Woodyard, who features the story in her book Haunted Ohio 3, and I met her at a uh, sauerkraut festival, I believe. Really? (laughs) Like when I was 10. And she, she autographed a book for me. 
Yeah, I remember <laughs> you have. I remember you had an autographed book, man. We were super into those haunted Ohio books. It, it's and like to go back and like reread some of this stuff. It's really interesting. Yeah, it's cool. Anyway, this building was built in 1910 by Sigmund Zapolowski. The building held a general store, a deli named Sig's in a deli named Sig's up until the 1980s. That's pretty good run. Yeah, that is a very good run. Eleanor Sluzas bought the building in 1989 and opened her restaurant in 1990. Sluzas reportedly told Woodyard that several of her employees were freaked out after seeing a girl with long black hair in the attic window. Music had mysteriously turned on in the restaurant Plates have crashed to the floor, and people have reported hearing strange laughter and sweet singing, Woodyard wrote in her book. Sluzas told Woodyard she learned the identity of the spirit when she bumped into Rose Losco, one of Sig's daughters. According to the book, Sluzas said the ghost was Losco's sister, Genevieve Chicky Kozlowski, who died in 1983. <laughs> you glossed <laughs> right over that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that one's a hard one. <laughs> um, uh, Chicky reportedly loved her father's old store as a child and spent most of her time in the attic. You mm. know, where people see her looking out the window. Yeah. Joe Costellino, the current owner of Amber Rose, said he's heard footsteps and knocking and customers have reported seeing people in the bathroom mirror when they turn around and no one's there. I've been in that bathroom and I peed in it. Yeah, I didn't know you. that. I well, didn't. Now you know. And every time I go in there, nobody's in there. Do you get a creepy feeling? Not. I didn't. But you're and gonna now. I'm going to <laughs> now. Feel like somebody needs to go with me. Uh, objects have been known to fall off shelves and move around the restaurant. One Sunday, when the restaurant was closed, the alarm went off. When Costellino arrived with police to check it out, he found a brew basket from the ice tea maker in the middle of the floor. Maybe Chickadee was lonely that Sunday and wanted some company, he said. Maybe. Maybe. Ooh, Maybe. I didn't know that about the bathroom situation. So fun. Now I know. Yeah. All right. So those were our haunted restaurants. And now bear with me while I cite my sources because they were different for every restaurant, sometimes <laughs> more than one. Um, only in your state.com, the coastal insider.com, so yummy.com, thrillist.com, southernmostghosts.com, travelchannel.com, muriels.com, hauntedhistoryjohns.com, goldenlam.com, springfieldnewssun.com, and the Dayton Daily News.com. awesome well do you have any haunted restaurants in your area that you would like to tell us about or have you been to any of these yeah had an experience do share friends yes please all right well we hope that you enjoyed this episode one on 106 on haunted restaurants we also hope that you have a very happy and safe for uh memorial day i was about to say fourth of july that's later <laughs> not yet not yeah. yet and by uh, the time this comes out this will be on memorial day right it when will this comes be out mm-hmm. yeah, so happy memorial day friends happy memorial day eat some good food be with your family and be thankful yep all right Love well, 
Have a great day and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.